Welcome to the MRX Influencers Podcast, where you come for the insights, but stay for the good times. I'm Dan Fleetwood, and on this podcast, I chat with the best and brightest minds in the research space. On this episode, I chat with Adam Dietrich around survey data quality, specifically around sample, and what you can do to ensure that you are getting good quality data from all of the sample providers out there. We also talk about market research trends. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hi, Dan. Good morning. It's Friday. It's awesome to be back on live with Dan. I know, but so you're you're at the end of your day. I'm at the start, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Awesome. We have a great show today. We have Adam uh, Dietrich from Cloud Research, also has a podcast and well-known in the MR world, so excited to have him on in a minute. Then we'll go over our Question Pro certification, which we launched this week. So we'll talk about that, and we'll get more into that. And we have some data points around electric vehicles. So this was something interesting to me as um, our Auto X division deals with vehicle, essentially like vehicle CX and so forth, and talking about electric cars and the obviously the wave of the future there. So I wanted to get some some stats around uh, electric cars. I was kind of curious about it. I think you all will be interested. Let's bring in Adam Dietrich here. So, hey, Adam, welcome. Hello. Good morning, Adam. Hey, guys. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So let's jump right into it. Adam, I know that you are, you know, expansive in the research space from, you know, data quality to polling to even the podcast, which we can talk about. What I wanted to start with you is around data quality. I know, obviously, at Cloud Research, you guys are focused on that with the Century product and so forth. But... What I wanted to dive into and what we kind of talked about previously was at APOR, you gave a talk around essentially there's no like um, like common rules around data quality, right? Like everybody's kind of playing in their own space, so to speak. So maybe touch on that a little bit and we can dive more into that topic. Sure, sure. So, yeah, that, great question. Thank you. Um, you know, the, the world of data quality is obviously always going to be very important to any kind of market research. Um, but what we've kind of realized over the last year is we've launched our, our Century product and talked to brilliant researchers and kind of every methodology and, and different walks of the research industry is that everybody kind of has their own secret sauce mm-hmm. when it comes to how they measure data quality, or I guess probably more particularly how they measure bad data quality, right? Yeah, that's so, true, yeah. um, you know, some, some researchers are really adamant about, you know, they singularly focus on length of interview, right? So they, they, they find the speeders uh, mm-hmm. and they really focus on that, which is good, but it doesn't tell the whole picture. You know, there are other folks who, um, you know, cloud research, we come out of academia, you know, attention checks are very, very big, uh, you know, red herrings, instructional mm-hmm. manipulations, things like that. And they're kind of used as like the, the single source for defining whether or not someone is good or bad, but there are plenty of fraudsters, right. Who maybe are able to answer those questions, but then they show acquiescence bias or, you know, aren't very truthful in other factors of a study. Right. Right, Um, right. And then there are other people who kind of take the tech route, which is, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, we've put a lot of emphasis on like IP deduplication and things like that and some of the yeah. tech tools. And now we've got reCAPTCHA, which everybody's familiar with from e-commerce and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the the gist of the situation is that, uh, you know, there you can't really use single factor authentication, um, you know, like 
you know, when you sign into your checking account online right now, yeah. you know, you, you kind of got to confirm it on your phone as well as your laptop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you really kind of have to do that same holistic approach when it comes to data quality. And yeah, um, you know, there were a lot of presentations at APOR last week around around data quality and where things are going from that perspective. And you know, it's always going to be a big topic in research. But right. um, yeah, one of the things that we're trying to figure out and, and put some emphasis on and, and create a conversation about is um, you know trying to find just trying to admit that there's no silver bullet for measuring it and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to take that holistic approach. Right. And I think that makes sense. There's so many different facets of it, but I'm going to put you on the spot here, Adam, like what it, if I had to pick like four things that to measure data quality, what would you pick? Well, four is a lot more than like a lot of people use, right? So four right. is good. Four, four is a step okay, in the right direction. Three, then. I need to, I need to pigeonhole you in here a little bit, you know, so. Um, I think, yeah, no, I, I think, I think it's really, you know, we kind of put, what we call just like generally bad actors into three separate buckets. And these are very generalized buckets, but it's speeders, which is, you know, something that everybody's familiar with. The other one is fraudsters. So those are the people who are, are real, who probably are in the country or that you're trying to field the study in, but they're just going to, their, their main objective is to get the incentive, right? So they're going mm-hmm. to say that, that they are a PhD with a, you know, six figure income and all this experience and things like that, because they want to make sure that they qualify. Right. Um, and then the last group is like the the bot fraud programmed, you know, programmatic cheating kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of just, as long as you make sure you're using, uh, addressing one facet within each of those, right? So with wow, speeders, LOI is a good way to start. Uh, with fraudsters, it's, you know, we have a, a system of, um, of of questions that we've developed and validated. But, you know, think of attention check questions, but making sure that they're people who are, um, being consistent and not just saying yes to everything, right? They're right, not right, they're not right. exhibiting acquiescence bias to make sure that they get that sweet, sweet dollar fifty uh, incentive for for participating in the study. <laughs> um, and then on the technical side, it's you know it's um, as up to date as you can get. You know, IP deduplication is great for making sure that somebody doesn't. Day, you know, doesn't replicate a hundred times over, but there are a million other things like digital fingerprinting, which has become more commonplace, things like CAPTCHA, like we said before. Um, but as long as you're trying to address each one of those three, you're right. putting yourself in a better place. So your, your advice would like each one of those three, if you pick something from it, then you're in good shape from a, a data quality or initiative you think is that yeah, you're definitely putting yourself in a better place right okay. you know right. um there's it's it's really been eye-opening um over the last year for for us and and the great team at cloud um because they're really really smart experienced researchers who really have like gaps in what they're looking at when it comes to data quality you know mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of us get into uh some area of comfort with knowing like okay as long as i kick out the 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 10% of sample that is the fastest. And I ask this one, you know, uh, red herring question, I'm fine, right? But that right. doesn't maybe necessarily take care of bots or programmatic, you know, fraudsters and things mm-hmm. like that. And so mm-hmm. it's always just about expanding. And I think the, the most important part of it is, you know, we've seen over the last year, uh, especially like how much more sophisticated we can be with online research, you know, as, mm-hmm. as brains and agencies and things like that. And it's also important to remember that the bad actors are also getting more sophisticated as well. Yep. Yep. And I think we definitely during the election cycle last, you know, during the last election, it was just like, I know we, we were seeing completes from like a middle of the lake in Kansas and these, you know, Tim, who I'm sure is watching is like laughing because we always bring this up. Right. And it's like, what? Like, there's no way unless there's like a, 
a giant boat or something. So I think it's like, you know, you see things like that and it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So you mm-hmm. want to do things to help, you know, uh, prevent that. Obviously, I think that probably fell into more of your third with like, you know, the, the bots and so forth trying to take over there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's actually a really good example because, um, you know, a lot of technology around like location-based data, like GOIP addresses and things like that. Uh, we're not at a hundred percent, you know, capabilities, like as a, not as an industry, but on the whole, you know, like even, even Google, uh, there was a study done recently by uh, some researchers at Northwestern university about the accuracy of, of, Google local uh, advertising, oh. where, where, and I think it was something about 85% of people were not in the same city as Google thought they were, right? Oh. Because they're using things mm-hmm. like VPN networks and things like that and things pinging here and there. They just haven't been correctly charted in that kind of system. So, right. you know, so in that example, you know, with a lake in the middle of Kansas, it could be a perfect survey respondent in California who's using a VPN, something's happening, you know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of issues. So it's really yeah. about combining as many, as many different kind of factors as you can. Yeah. And no, I think, I think that makes sense. And I, I know one of the things you've talked about before too, is more of like the behavioral psychology aspect of it and bringing in some of those particular questions. I think that's, that's something that's really interesting because it can not only attention checks, but I think also, like red herring kind of questions and so forth. Like, I think maybe it's one of the year questions, but it's like, can you name every Olympian that's ever participated in the Olympics or something like that? Right? Like, that's a question I love to bring up because it's, I think it really drives home. Like, no one can really do that, right? So, right, questions like that, I think are super interesting too. Right. Yeah, it's all about developing just you know new and innovative, I guess, uh, ways to to root out bad actors. Right. So in yeah. So for so long, the the bad actors were just, you know, like I said, trying to use tech and bots and things like that. And now you've got real people who are going to give you the 15, 30, 60 minutes, however long it takes, but they're just going to practice acquiescence bias like that. They're going to say, of course, I can name every U.S. Olympian. I can name the child of every U.S. president. I can, you know, all these different things. And so what we've done is, is tried to, to use some... Uh, like you said, some behavioral based questions like that um, and validate them. Right. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing. Um, so many, so many people have a, a a red herring kind of question that they've used for 10 years. And what we've done is in testing is found that the three or five most common red herrings that we see used, um, they actually dis- disproportionately remove lower socioeconomic status respondents. Mm-hmm. And again, it kind of goes back into that single factor authentication kind of a thing is, you know, at the end of every study, you know, lower income, younger people, people of color, those are always the quotas that are the last to fill. And those are the people that are more likely to be removed by, by red herrings that maybe aren't the most fair. Um, So it's, it's, it's an ongoing battle, but it's fun and it's important as the, the, the industry moves forward. Right. Right. Do you, do you think that'll ever get to like an agreed upon set of like, okay, this is good data quality. This is, these are the standards. I know, or is it always going to be like the five, seven or 10 point scale? And there's always going to be some like, you know, staunch people on each side of it. What, what are your feelings there? Uh, I don't know. I think I don't think we'll ever get to a completely agreed upon. This is good. This is bad. This is a good metric. Yeah. This is a bad metric. Um, and I think that's probably due to the fact, like I said, that it's kind of an ever changing landscape of, of bad actors. And I also mm-hmm. think, um, you know, research is very personal, right? There's like as a as a researcher, you automatically kind of have this um 
you know, this belief that you're the, you know, you're obviously an expert and, um, you know, this set of questions that you learned and have developed and honed, like everybody, you know, kind of wants to, to have their own personal pride in things. And Mm -hmm. I think this is good. I think this is bad. And, you know, thankfully because of things like live with Dan and the APOR conference and stuff like that, you know, we can have good debates on it. And I don't know if we'll ever get to an agreed upon (laughs) set of metrics. I think like awareness is like the first thing, right? Like everybody aware of like, I think everybody wants it, but it's Mm -hmm. like, I think they need to be more aware that like, yeah, this is something that needs to be addressed and changed. So it makes sense. Awesome. So let's, let's dive into the podcast. So it's what the ride podcast, right? You and Adam, Adam Jolly host it, right? Yeah. Thank you for asking. What what, what does ride stand for? What's the acronym? Sure. So um, it stands for research, innovation, discussion, exchange, which is a mouthful which is why we created the acronym. Right. Um, nice. But yeah, Adam, Adam Jolly and I, um, we longtime colleagues. He's kind of like my, my mentor and big brother in the industry. So an executive at, at, at Paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and I are big like sports podcast fans, uh, like pop culture podcasts, things like that. And, yeah. um, you know, we, I think we kind of realized that we, we don't have the polish of, you know, you had Jim Brazil on uh, a few weeks ago on live with Dan, you know, his, his happy MR podcast, like it's, it's so perfect, right? Like it's bite-sized. There isn't a, an um or a pause or anything like that. Like I think, I think Adam and I realized that we were probably, we probably didn't have uh, the, the hosting capabilities to kind of put out a perfect example of that. So what we've tried to do is create a, uh, a little bit more laid back, um, you know, less polished version of, yeah. of research podcast. And we do like updates, we do polling updates, but the, the big thing is we do guests from um, our all around market research who we think are, are being innovative and, and just ask them questions about where the industry is going. Cool. No, that's awesome. I think your podcast is polished, so you're selling yourself short there, but yeah. all right, maybe I need to go back and listen to some season one. Maybe I'm Don't go, sure. don't go too early. Don't go okay, too early. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the highlights or moments that you think people would be interested in? Like any ahas or like, Hey, this was interesting that we didn't know anything sure. come I mean, to mind? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, it really spans the gamut. I mean, it's mm-hmm. again, like I said, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's way more laid back than the kind of the traditional prof- professional podcast. But that being said, like we've had everybody from, you know, um, a former CEO of Nielsen talking about what, when he was the CEO, what they look for in companies to acquire, right? Mm-hmm. We've had um, Vivek on to talk about the process, acquisition process and yeah. valuations of companies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had, you know, startup entry, you know, so like the big companies, we've also had startup founders that are, you know, bootstrapping <clears throat> and trying to grow things and talking about what they see in research as kind of an outsider that needs yeah. to be changed and things like that. So, you know, it, it really, we really have had a, a, we've been very fortunate to have a, a, a good smattering of guests from all across the industry. But I would say the right. big thing is, I think that the, you know, the biggest takeaway has been that during the pandemic, whether it's qualitative researchers, uh, quants, you know, folks in North America, internationally, you know, everybody in all these different sectors kind of, I've realized has a, a little bit more stomach for innovation because I think it's kind of been forced on us by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's Mm -hmm. been really, really cool to see. I think for so long, everybody's thought of the research industry as kind of slow moving. Um, but it it seems like we're in high gear now. Yeah, no, I think that's right. That, Pandemic definitely pushed some things forward, which I think is going to get people to try things. 
But one thing I think you guys do really well in the podcast, like you said, is mix in a little bit of business and pleasure, I would say, right? So there's like one of the things I know you do this halftime where that you bring, you talk about interesting things. So one I was listening to recently was um, around, uh, I think it was C or celebrity CEO, you know, board members kind of positions that you would put them in. So what, what was your board? Do you remember? Or what was your sort of C-suite executive team looking like? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, every week we do like a 10 minute, just kind of silly merging pop culture and sports or whatever with research kind of just fun game. And so that one, I think I had, uh, oh my goodness. I had George Clooney as my, as my, as my CMO, um, because he had success with that tequila company. And also I feel like, you know, if he comes in and you know, into a, a, a client pitch and says, you know, who's going to say no to him? Right. Um, That's true. I like basically, that. <laughs> I think I had uh, Emma Watson from Harry Potter mm-hmm. uh, fame and, you know, a huge uh, women's rights advocate as my CEO because she, I think she went to an Ivy League school. She also comes with like the Harry Potter fan base. And so I was like, you know, <laughs> we got some built-in fans immediately right. um, things like that. And so, uh, oh, and I made, I think I made Oprah my CFO because it would be nice to have a billionaire CFO as well. True. So. True. That's interesting. Nice. <laughs> nice. I'll have to think about that and who would be on mine. I, I'm not sure, but I, George Clooney is a solid pick there for the CMO. Right, right. I mean, he, he has, he's not just an actor. He's had success in business. Yeah, I like it. I like I mean, it. Yeah. It's it's a silly game, and we like I said, we play a hundred of them, but it's it's always fun. And um, the coolest part about those silly games is, and I'm sure you've seen this with live with Dan is, you know, I like for example, do you ever do you go back and watch these? Or sometimes I do. Sometimes I I can't stand to listen to my (laughs) to myself on podcast form, and I'm kind of like not embarrassed by it, but you know, it's 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 awkward, and I, I hear all my ums and. I speak so slow and, you know, all those kinds of things, but it's always really, really cool when, you know, somebody who I admire in the industry says, you know, comes back and it's like, Oh, I saw you put me on your, your Super Bowl market researchers team. Thanks for that. I'm like, why are you listening to that? But it's cool. It's really cool. No, I know. I know what you're talking about, but I, I think it's interesting to go back and listen to yourself or watch. It's like, well, I do that. Or I, I say this, you know, so, it's <laughs> but no, that's awesome. Um, well, hey, Adam, I, I think that's we can wrap it up. I appreciate you coming on the show today. You're welcome to stick around or you can you can take off. We're going to be going over some data points and also talking about our certification. So it's up to you, whatever you want to do. I will definitely stick around. I'm I'm okay. really interested. You guys are talking about electric vehicles, right? Yeah. So we, we use our one of our platforms and internally and also externally that clients are using as instant answers where you put a question in Slack. It goes out via API, gets the data back and and presents a a graph inside of Slack as well. So something that we were doing. First, I wanted to bring up our certification that we just launched. So this is something that is brand new that we put together. So there were a lot of folks internally that um, should take more credit than myself on this particular initiative. But uh, one thing we launched is this uh, Question Pro certification. So There are two levels of it. Uh, If you go to certification.questionpro.com, Mark will put the link in there. You can first become a pro. That's the first level, more basic, uh, more basic techniques, question types, logic, and so forth. And then expert, which covers more advanced analytics, uh, including question types, logic, and so forth. But this was really like an outpouring from our clients and, and people in the industry that wanted some level of certification and really ways to add to their resumes internally, externally, and just 
be certified within Question Pro. And also, this is great just for market research knowledge as well. So I would say if you're a student or starting out, you know, definitely utilize this, put this on resumes and so forth. It can help you uh, stand out. And we're piloting this at a lot of universities and also clients have now started to take it this week. So it's exciting initiative here. Um, one thing that we've done is everyone internally at Question Pro has taken the certification. So they'll get these badges, the pro and the expert, and then also the certification. Here's Mark's. So Mark, you, you completed this course early on. I, I struggled through it, but it was fun. What's that? I struggled through it, but it was fun. I mean, hey, the struggle makes you it. stronger, Mark. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, so there's this, the certificate for pro, certificate for expert. So these are things yeah. that you'll get once you complete each of the different courses. So something exciting, definitely check more into it. Go to a certification or you can go to questionpro.com slash certification and then that will route you directly to the course. So take a look. Let us know if you have any questions, feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear it and get you certified. All right. So what I wanted to do is jump into some electric vehicle chat. So I should say that this is this is out of 150 each, each one of these is 150 respondents in the U.S. We used our instant answers tool, like I mentioned earlier, um, yeah. where you put the question in, in Slack with the answer options, you get the chart back. So this is largely we were talking internally about electric vehicles and, and obviously the rise because a lot of our clients in the auto X space, this is a one on their top you know priority list in terms of, hey, electric vehicles. It's obviously we've seen the rise of Tesla and others out there that this is something that is obviously here to stay and something that I know a lot of automobile companies are thinking about. So I had a question that I wanted to ask, like what percentage of the cars in the United States are electric? So um, Mark, what do you have a guess here? Which one do you think is right? Yeah, I for sure would have thought it's 5% or less. I'm, I really can't be, I can't be sure. No. All right. Adam, what do you think? Do you know? I'm a car guy. I think, Three percent of cars sold last year were electric. Yeah, you're you're right, actually. So it's 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 five percent less. And I think it, when I one of the sources, there's a lot of sources out there, obviously, but yeah, it's three percent or less of all cars in the U.S. are are uh, electric. So it's either two or three percent. I think three percent sold last year, but then two percent of overall cars, something like that. So I'll still give you the points for that one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So this is interesting. I think obviously most people thought it was, you know, uh, six to 15% there. So kind of interesting, interesting point there. A lot of people still, you know, almost 27% or so got the right answer. So that's interesting. And then moving on. So, you know, intent to purchase. So in the next five years, would you consider purchasing an electric car? This was a little bit surprising to me. 66% said yes. 30, 34% said no. So Interesting. I'm I'm interested to see where the technology goes. And on the next slide, which I think is a little interesting, is um, you know, what's your top concern regarding electric vehicles? So for me, mm. it's range. I think this is the number one number one concern for me. Adam, what do you think? You're you're a car guy. Would you do you have an electric car? Would you would you get one? I do not have an electric car. I I think it's an inevitability that I eventually will. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they call it like range anxiety, right? Yeah. It's, it's, 
Uh, this thing where you, you know, you're 20 miles from home and it says you've got 22 miles to go, you know, kind of thing in your range left. And uh, I can see why that would be the number one concern. That makes sense to me. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's it's almost similar to like your phone battery, right? Like exactly. You get get anxiety when it's at like 5% or 10%, you know? So I don't, I don't know that these cars have like a low power mode where it can only go, you know, certain miles per hour. (laughs) Shuts off non-essential functionality. So I think, um, yeah, range was obviously the highest, you know, the highest concern. That didn't um, really surprise me. I think vehicle costs and um, safety were somewhat interesting. I think they're safe, but I don't know if people were um, thinking more in terms of like the, you know, self-driving cars and that sort of thing that you hear about with, with Tesla. And then also the vehicle costs was surprising. I think the price of electric vehicles has really come down, um, obviously, in the, in the past few years. And I think that'll continue. But some interesting things. Um, one of them was the environment. And more to that question was essentially the environmental concerns with building the batteries and all of, all of the things that go into that. So that was pretty low. But range, I think, no surprise, was, you know, kind of the, the winner there. So th- those are the data points that I had today around electric vehicles hopefully that was interesting i think with that mark we can end the show adam thanks again for joining us it was awesome to have you on thank you for having me i appreciate it awesome thanks and see you guys have a good day everybody thanks so much for listening to the mrx influencers podcast if you want more information about question pro go to questionpro.com if you want to follow me feel free to do so on linkedin or twitter until next time we'll see you later